Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Terry Ishii, uh, and today uh, I am joined by two great friends. Uh, my partner in crime, who's always on these things with me, Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you doing, Alan? Doing good, man. Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. Nice, nice. And we're also joined uh, by, my, by my fellow Texan, uh, Jaime Jimenez in Houston, Texas, my hometown. Jaime, thanks for being on the podcast today, buddy. Hey, it's, uh, it's an honor, Terry Allen. It's so good to be here. Man, uh, Jaime, you've been a, a really good friend uh, to Forge, and I've just, you're one of those relationships I've just, over the last handful of years, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know your story and uh, the work and, and really your heart for, for mission and what you're trying to do uh, both here in, in Texas and Houston, but also a more global perspective that you have such a heart for, for, for the nations, especially Latin America. Uh, we met a couple years ago at Expo, uh, at Exponential, where we tend to find all of our cool friends. Uh, and you and uh, a pastor at your church uh, there in Houston, Andreas, you guys came and we kind of connected and man, it just seems like we've been collaborating uh, uh, since then uh, pretty pretty consistently. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to share uh, some of the things that you've got going on, some of the things that, are, that you, you have on your heart. Uh, with our listeners today. So before we but before we get into that, man, just tell us a little bit about about yourself. Kind of like where you came from. How did you find yourself? You're not you're not a a, a native uh, Texan. Uh, you found your way here via Chicago and uh, Mexico. So tell us a little bit about how in the world you ended up in Texas. <laughs> sure. Actually, I never got to Chicago, but yeah. I oh, you never. Okay. Oh, it was part of the plan, but uh, yeah, so uh, the Lord, I guess, redirected us to Texas. Yeah, so I'm from, from uh, Monterrey, which is northern Mexico, born and raised there. Then I came to study in the States for about four years, went back to Monterrey, and um, that's that's when, when I met my wife, and we got married, so about uh, 13 years ago. Uh, we actually have two kids, a boy and a, uh, an eight-year-old boy and a six-year-old daughter. And, um, and basically, I was a church planter in, in Mexico. That's what I was doing before coming here. Uh, we had several partners in the States through that process. And uh, one of them it was a church that I actually work for right now. And uh, we were thinking on heading out and transitioning to Chicago to do something else to pursue further studies. But um, yeah, that's when we got an invitation to come to Houston. So the Lord brought us here about... Uh, a little bit over five years ago for so for the last five years we have been in in texas so yeah we feel a little bit uh, texan now and, and yeah i mean we came to know forge about uh, it's 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 is it two or three years ago but it feels like a like a like a friendship of many years it's just yeah. unbelievable yeah, I, 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 COVID always makes everything feel like it was either yesterday or 10 years ago. So I can't tell. But I, 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 if I think hard enough, I think it's three years. I think the last three years. And so, uh, well, man, tell us tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in Houston. You work with Christ the King, uh, a church in uh, almost kind of the close to Midtown Houston, uh, kind of on the west side. Um, what what are what are you doing currently with them and You've got kind of this project that you've been working on. Uh, share a little bit about that. Yeah, so it has been a, a, a you know, a, a journey. My, my current role is pastor of mission at, at Christ the King. 
Now, I do have several responsibilities and regular pastoral duties, I, I will say. But I, I guess the most interesting or for me, the most exciting part of my job is trying to seek or to foster the mobilization of our congregation uh, towards a missional living. So I think really that's where my heart and my focus is. That's where my, uh, yeah, my, I guess my biggest in, or the biggest investment of my work inside inside the church and where my prayers are. The other thing that I do, and it's connected to, 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 to the work that I do in the church, but at the same time, it's kind of a parallel or like a, yeah, like a parallel deal is a, a project. A, it's, it's like more like a dream, I will say, uh, that we call Blue Water Platform, where we are seeking to pioneer new things. And uh, this started like two, three years ago, actually, uh, with collaboration uh, with my friend Andres Celaya. And uh, that's something that we have been uh, working on on the site and basically is trying to help areas uh, where areas of the city or um, I, I, how can I say it? I, I guess trying to help areas of the city where the church has a weaker presence. Yeah. Uh, so that would be... Uh, you know, areas where there is uh, more poverty or where um, it is a more diverse community and just trying to help people there uh, begin small communities of faith and very organically and then see where the Lord take, takes us from there. Yeah, I, I've always loved the, the vision that you and Andres have had for, for Blue Water. Um, I know early in conversations, man, it feels like maybe two years ago, we were talking about through some of this and I remember having a big conversation, a uh, whiteboard session and all of that. And we we're sitting there and we we're talking and we, we talked about this idea that we cannot extend the kingdom. The kingdom is something that cannot be extended, that we say that all the time, right? People, oh, let's extend the kingdom where we know the kingdom is, is universal. It's fully, uh, it's fully there, uh, not always revealed. It's kind of it's sometimes uh, behind the veil and in shadow, but the kingdom, God's kingdom, he rules over all things fully. But the one things we talked about was we can extend the church. So how do we extend the church into areas where the church has no impact? And so I love that you guys are thinking that way uh, and looking to really see see the, the kingdom revealed uh, by extending the church into these places. And, and really, that's kind of the, I think you say it well, Terry, because that's kind of the idea behind is literally taking the church, not in a sense of taking the institution, but taking, you know, the people, the community of the church and extending Christ's love. And then, uh, yeah, trying to, to demonstrate or to point people to Jesus and to, and to demonstrate and to proclaim, you know, what his kingdom is all about. So, um, yeah, so it has this this strong uh, sentness mentality that of course, you know, we got it uh, um, clearer and clearer through our uh, walk with you and with others as Borch. So Jaime, I know you guys are, you know, you're doing this in Houston. Uh, so Blue Water Platform, is it specifically targeting Houston or is this something you're looking to take elsewhere as well? We're, we're actually planning to conquer the world, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, you know, it began here in Houston, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican, so the, a lot of the focus of my work is really with the Hispanic population, so there, there's a lot of work to do, but the way it worked out, at least during last year, it was with people all over the place, so we actually walked with a small group um, of leaders 
from six different cities, three different countries. And, you know, it, this was right when COVID was hitting. So everything was moving online. And then also, I, I guess, you know, people were looking for ways to process what they were facing with all, you know, the new reality of COVID. So, I mean, it was very providential that we were just about to launch our residency with this group of Spanish speakers. And yeah, I mean, we had a pastoral intern up in St. Louis and then a couple of people here in Houston, Dallas, and then a couple of cities in Mexico and then Chile. So it was, it was everywhere. So um, I, I wouldn't say that we have like a, a plan per se. So we're just kind of like right now navigating as it goes, but uh, it, it has been, you know, beyond Houston, of course. The, what we would like to see, of course, and I guess I'm talking, I'm talking about dreams, really. I, I hope these are God-given dreams, but be able to see a network of um, these communities being pioneering in Houston. Like, we long for that as well, you know. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Jaime, we both have a, a church planting background. Uh, we both have planted churches. We're both uh, involved in church planting. I'm the director of the Austin Church Planting Network. I know you're very uh, involved with the Houston Church Planting Network with, with Chad Clarkson. And so uh, tell, tell me a little bit about your, your journey through church planting and church starting. And then how in the world did you end up connecting with Forge through all of that? Sure. I mean, that's kind of a long story. That's kind of a... <laughs> That's kind of a big question, Terry. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, a pastor invited me to a church plant. And it was through that church plant that I came to know the Lord, that I came to, or that the Lord found me, really. And um, anyway, so that's just to say that I have been connected to the church planting world or the church planting conversation, you know, for half of my life, for, yeah, for 20 years or plus. And um I, I felt a call into ministry and got involved with a church planting team and then eventually became a church planter in my city. And when we came to the States, we, um, yeah, we got ready to start a, a church. But this was a very different context from what I was used uh, to before. Uh, on one hand, um, we were trying to plant a church to the west of Houston in an area called Katy. And on one hand, the community was, was super diverse. It was full of uh, internationals from all over the world. But it wasn't, um, I, I, that's where I came to, to know or to understand better this idea of, or this reality of post-Christendom. Uh, I was being challenged by many of the people that we were meeting uh, by questions that I have never had to ask before in my ministry in, in Northern Mexico. So, so um, yeah, so I really came into wrestling with this new reality that I was facing. And then on the other hand, I was surrounded by lots of churches, which I was also not used to. I mean, in Mexico, of course, we have churches, but not this many. And uh, I, I was just... Uh, blown away by seeing a, a church on every, basically on every corner in a, in a big church. So it was a very challenging context because on one hand, the people we were trying to reach, it seemed that didn't care about what we were doing. You know, I came out with the way I, I knew about doing church planting, which was basically from a, what we call an, an attractional paradigm. Now I can, now I can call it that way. Back then I had no idea. 
but uh, I was just doing events and assuming that people uh, will come to, to our events. And the reality is it was that nobody was coming. But then I look at the churches around and I see that they were also struggling a lot in terms of um, reaching out to the international community. And they were doing events much better than, you know, much better events than what I was doing. And, and yet, you know, it seemed that it wasn't working for them as well. So I, I felt like, you know, like throwing the towel, you know, it's like, felt like this is too hard. But then I look at the international community and the reality of the church and I say like, well, but there's still a need. So really it was through that very difficult process that I think the Lord started to, to um, help us, you know, rethink uh and, and understand, you know, um, well, I, I was, I will put it this way, you know, it was a time for deconstructing a lot of ideas that I had about church planting. So um, I felt like it took me a while uh, to, um, to realize that I was not behaving or I was not, um, I, yeah, I was, I, I was, I, I was, we were not being missional. We were being attractional. We were waiting for them to do the cross-cultural work to come to us and to learn our language if they wanted to basically hear the gospel. And the other thing is that I, I realized that, um, that we were also not being incarnational. You know, my idea of church, uh, my model and my idea of church, I guess I, I got it from my seminary education and from my experience in Mexico and then from what everything I saw around in the area. So that was to me the way you do church. And I that defined for me what a successful church uh, is. And that's what I was trying to plant. And I, I, I realized this just does, doesn't make any sense. So I eventually understood this is not incarnational ministry. Um, so anyway, that, that was part of my, my journey. That was part of what the Lord used me, used, I'm sorry, to, you know, to, to eventually, you know, get connected with the Forge tribe. Yeah, I know uh, a conversation I've been having recently is the difference between church planting and church starting. I think we, so many people want to use the word church planting and in reality, they're, they're not really planting anything, planting in it, it, you know, when you think of the idea, if I, if I'm a plant a tree, uh, it is, it's a long process. It's a, it's a process of finding the right soil, the right, you know, there, there are a lot of circumstances. There are a lot of things that, that, that go in to planting something, you know, if I try to plant something in the middle of winter, it's not going to, it's not going to take, uh, but but when we plan a church, we often just kind of don't even think about those things. We don't even look at the context of the situation, uh, the, the circumstances that surround a culture or a context. And so what we often find in, in church planting is really it's just church starting. It's, it's really we're just going to start a church service. We're, we're going to go start this thing. And so it's like a, a pre-boxed way of how the church exists. Um, and so either that's a traditional thing, something we learn at seminary, like you said, or it's something that we've experienced. You know, it's I, I remember early on uh, in my church planting experience when I really the second church plant that I was a part of, uh, I remember going into that. I was like, all right, guys, well, you know, we do three songs up front. Uh, we'll do a little connection. Uh, we do two more songs, then we do a message, and then we do a song at the end. 
that's how we start a church. Uh, and it had nothing to do with being the body of Christ. It all had to be with starting some, some sort of service. And so, yeah, I mean, I totally resonate with your story about the need of really coming, coming to groups with this idea that if we're not practicing some sort of incarnational missional ministry, uh, we're really missing the whole point of what it means to plant, uh, to embed, to go deep, to to grow a root a rooted system in a community. Yeah, and and I feel like in in my experience, at least Terry, I, I felt like uh, you know it also revealed my heart because I was coming already with all these answers, and of course I had a mm. seminary training and I had experience. Um, and, and then I had a, you know, a budget to, to plant it. Right. So I, I, I think it also reveals our, um, self, you know, uh, reliance and, and, and then I think that comes across because I felt like many times we were meeting people and, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they felt from me that I was trying to recruit them for my, recruit them for my, for my church plant. Right. So yeah. they felt like potential clients, I guess. So uh, being connected with Forge uh, and the work that you're doing now, tell us a little bit about your experience. I mean, how, how is that, how is, how has Forge come alongside you? How is, how has that been beneficial and helped you kind of shift in some of the ways you're thinking, but also the way that you're, you're perceiving uh, ministry and collaborating with others? I think that um, when I went through this very difficult church planting or fail um, church planting experience, <laughs> I, one of the things that happened, one of the things that the Lord used is that I started to read, you know, some people that have more experience in Europe and other contexts or the more post-Christendom context than, than, yeah, I guess other contexts, I guess. And one of them was Alan Hirsch, who I have read a long time before, and I had no clue what he was uh, saying the first time. And then I reread it. I read, reread Forgotten Ways, and it was just music to my ears. I mean, it was just unbelievable how he was actually uh, explaining um, and giving giving me language. I will say. So, you know, in God's providence, we, Andres and I, went to um, sign up for Forge Prelab at Exponential. And, uh, and what you did at Exponential that year is basically you, you kind of run through some of the major paradigms uh, or paradigm shifts that are necessary. And uh, it was just, I mean, it was just like, you know, drinking from the fire hose. I mean, every single thing resonated with my experience. I think that um, I was able to feel that I was understood, you know, on, uh, by someone. Uh, I, I was able to grab language that I didn't use for some, or that I didn't have for some ideas that were out there. But um, in addition to that, you know, I, I felt welcome. And I think that Forge does this very, very well. It has a, a culture where, where you value people for, for who they are, where everybody brings something to the table, which by the way, I mean, that's, that's the way it should be, you know? So, I mean, we connected, I, you know, I connected with the teaching, you know, it was just fantastic, but then, I, you know, we connected personally. And I remember that on that trip, you know, we had the chance to talk to, you know, everybody there, you know, talk to you, talk to Alan, talk to uh, 
Alan and Deb Hirsch, uh, Ryan and, and Laura, and I mean, R John Ridner, lots of, I mean, lots of people, everybody we met, not just from the Forge staff, but also from other hubs. You know, you started telling that story. And if I remember right, so Terry and I were working at the booth. Uh, we always work the booth at Exponential is what we do. And was it Laura Harrison came running up and is like, hey, you've got to meet these guys. Is that who it was? Like she was just so excited. I just remember somebody being so excited. Hey, you got to meet Jaime and Andreas. And we were like, okay, cool. And then we met you. You guys, you guys want to go to dinner? Like, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I, I remember I had met him at the pre-lab um, yeah. because uh, we, we were just present. I think it was, I think Brad and Hugh had just done a session and you guys came up to the front and you guys were talking and I like, I was trying to grab something out of Ryan. Cause if anyone knows Ryan Hairston, uh, he's like always, you know, he's always on go. And so I just like, I need to grab him for a second to get a bit of information. And then I turn around and Ryan's like, Hey, meet, meet Jaime and Andres. They're from Houston. You're from Houston. You guys should be friends. And then that's how we'd connect it was right there on the spot. That's true. So we came in late and it was Andres' fault, by the way. I remember <laughs> that. Was. Uh, so we came in late and we had to sit all the way to the front. So there yeah. was no more room and we went, we were moved all the way to the front. And, and yeah, I mean, I met Ryan and yeah, I mean, we felt at home. Then after that, you know, uh, we remained connected through the residency, which we did with you, uh, Terry, you remember? And uh, man, the residency was such a time. I mean, it was like six, seven months, I think. And uh, just reading and processing and, you know, having all these, bringing all these questions uh, to the table. So it really gave us a time to, to chew on, on many of the, you know, of the, of the things that we, that we learned on the, on the pre-lab, but, uh, you know, beyond that, I think just trying to digest that for our own lives and then for our own context here. So you, I need to go back and, and sum up what you said, because that story you just said, we hear over and over again. And it usually starts with, I read this guy named Alan Hirsch and I had no idea what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's over and over again. Then it was like, oh, but then all of a sudden something changed and I understood it. I got connected to the tribe and it was the relationships. And I think, yeah, that, that right there in some form or fashion uh, has been the journey over and over again. And yeah, dude, it's been so good having you in the tribe. It's been so good learning from you um, and to kind of hear what God is doing with you. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah. Essentially, you know, if you go to expo, we all know that forge throws the best party. Right. And so almost to the point where it's like, uh, it's, it's two in the morning, Jaime, you, you need to find an Uber and go back to your hotel. <laughs> so. I don't, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we felt bad because we didn't bring anything to the party, but anyway, that's how it's supposed to be. Just come and, and, and enjoy. Um, well, uh, before we close, uh, I, I'd love to, I, I want to talk a little bit about something that I'm excited. And I know this is something that you're really excited about is, Part of your work with Forge is that you, uh, along with Andreas, but also uh, Monica uh, from our, our Richmond uh, hub, you guys are creating and curating that residency that we went through. Um, you know, you you went through it as a, a bilingual uh, uh, speaker through the, the English version, and you guys are actually curating, creating a Spanish-speaking um uh, translation uh, and, and really not even just a translation but kind of creating 
some new content around uh, some of that stuff. And so tell us a little bit, update us on what you, what you guys are doing, what you're excited about, and when, when you have an anticipated date, when that might uh, get out there for people to kind of tap into. Sure. Um, yeah. So we, we are working on, on the residency and I think you say it well, it's, it's going to be a Spanish residency, but uh, it's going to be, a, a, I would put it this way, Spanish global residency. Cause um, what we're trying to do is really to contextualize and bring some of the paradigms and the teaching and the uh, practices that we learn on the, the uh, on the English residency, but really contextualize to contextualize it to different contexts. Yeah. So um, I think it's going to be very interesting because we don't have a lot of um, outdoors that we can um, use in Spanish, or at least we haven't discovered them. So what we're doing is that we're bringing uh, the voices of outdoors from, from everywhere, you know? So we're gonna be using some outdoors from Latin America, of course. And I'm, you know, very excited, even as I read through some of their writings, um, you know, a little bit from, from somebody in Africa, somebody in Europe, and of course, you know, voices from America and Australia. So it's gonna be like a global, uh, residency. So we're making some, um, you know, many, many uh, adaptations to it. And, and um, yeah, and part of that, some, some trans translating some of that material. We hope to be able to have it ready in about uh, six months. So okay. that's our hope. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, as, as, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to, because I, I, I believe that it's a, it's a great tool. It is actually a great way to connect uh, to force through the residency. And it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's uh, at least in my own experience, you know, it was a huge blessing. So we want to put that tool in the hands of, of many other people. So when you say six months, you're saying, so right now it's the beginning of May. So sometime towards the end of 2021, we're hoping. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. I, I didn't say when the six months started. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you could have so, just left it nebulous and vague, Bradford, but no, yeah. No, we're gonna well, we were it. shooting, to be honest, we were shooting for August. I think it's going to take us a little bit longer than that, but uh, it's coming. Lord willing, right. it's coming. All right. January 2022, Jaime begins global domination. <laughs> so. I'm I'm just waiting for you to become our Forge director of Forge Mexico because we have Forge Canada, we have Forge America. We just we just need Forge Forge Mexico, and then we the three of us become the only forges that that have an, an entire continent. Right? That's exciting. <laughs> so so, so right say he's gonna rename it Forge Americas. He's just gonna add an S. America. Yep. Yeah. He's been trying to take over Canada. We won't tell our we won't tell Cam that, but he's been trying to take Canada over for years, and so. Um, well, Jaime, thank you for being on the podcast, uh, uh, man. We just, we appreciate you and, and you've been a good friend and, uh, man, we're just grateful to be able to get your story out there. And, uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, if they want to hear more, if they want to hear more, uh, about your story or just ask questions or, or, or get some info from you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Do you have a website or an email address that people can uh, easily reach you at? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess my email, you know, uh, Jaime, J-A-I-M-E at dreambluewater.org. Uh, and then we have some resources there in Spanish. It's still, you know, a, it's still in construction, but there are some things already there. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, my email, you know, at Jaime 
at uh, dreamwater.org. Yeah, so dreamwater.org is the website. Greenbluewater.org. That's right. Greenbluewater.org. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, brother, this season we're ending uh, all of our, our podcasts uh, this season with five quick questions. And so I'm just going to fire hose you with some questions. Some of them are going to be meaningful and some of them are just going to be stupid, but that's <laughs> what we decided to do this season. So uh, question number one, uh, what are you currently reading? Yeah, I'm reading, well, I'm reading two books and I'm fascinated by, so the first one is by John Ridner, Positively Irritating. I swear, and, um, we, we should get a dollar for every time his name or book gets mentioned in this podcast this year. It is ridiculous. That's a great Actually, book. Yeah, he said yeah. he was going to send me um, a couple of books for free if I mention it on the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's, you know what, it's uh, what I'm fascinating with about the book is that it's just, I mean, John has such a such a gift, you know, and and summarizes a lot of concepts and brings in a lot of stories. So I'm really, really, I'm I'm kind of chewing it slowly, and and I'm fascinated. I'm halfway through, and the other one, the other book I'm reading is called Dignity. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating book, you know. Um, I cannot tell you much about it because I'm like on chapter two. I'm only have done like fifty pages, but anyway. So Dignity is is. Um, by it's uh, by um, Chris Arnate, uh, who used to work at doing um, some kind of work in Wall Street, and then eventually started just walking and looking around the neighborhoods, and um, yeah, and, and and finding dignity, you know, what in 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 the neighborhoods that he was walking through. So that sounds awesome. That sounds great. And Rittner's book book is fantastic. It's it's five stars for sure. So very cool. Uh, number two, uh, what are you watching? What do you got on the old Netflix? Uh, uh, I'm gonna disappoint you, Terry. Come on, it better uh, be. I'm, Come on. The only the only thing that I watch is soccer these days. You know? so <laughs> Champions League is coming to an end. The Liga Española is coming to the end. So I have very little time for watching TV. So I use it. I make the best use of it by watching soccer, soccer. European soccer. So who's your team? Tell us your teams then. Yeah. So for the um, for the Champions League, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, Manchester City okay. and for the Spanish League uh, for Barcelona. Barcelona. And then do you follow, and I know this is just true football fans, MLS is just a joke, but do you follow MLS at all? <laughs> I mean, your laugh is the answer I, I was expecting. You know, it's getting better, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know, I not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Austin just finally got a team. So Austin has an MLS team. So we have our own football club. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, people here are excited, but then everyone's like, but MLS is horrible. So it's coming. It's coming. So yeah. Very cool. Have you watched Ted Lasso? No, somebody told me about it, but there I have so. You should check that out. And so they have their, it's, 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 yeah, I loved it. It's, I didn't know anything about soccer. I watched it and I actually doubled my knowledge. You're the second or the third person that tells me about it. So I think I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, uh, number three, what's the funniest thing that happened in quarantine? What's the funniest thing that happened? Funny story. You know, we have enjoyed a lot of things during quarantine. I don't know if, you know, call them funny. The, on the only thing I remember that we have laughed about was when COVID began and we were so paranoid mm -hmm. and 
I mean, even like you, you open the door, you know, like the front door and you look both sides, you know, just trying to, <laughs> to check if the virus wasn't around. And, and I remember coming to the office, they asked us, and you're going to make fun of this, but you, they asked us that when we walk out, out the office, nobody was supposed to come. But if you were to come and pick out something that basically as you walk out the building, you should be cleaning everything, disinfecting everything that you touch. So, I mean, yeah, it feels, it, yeah. And that was just like 10 months ago. So I can't believe we were doing that. But right. anyway. That's good. Um, number four, what's, what's bringing you life? What's been life-giving uh, for you recently? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause you know, I actually do have an answer for that. Um, my wife and I, you know, we we're doing this study on the idea of what it means to be uh, sons of God, and um, and it's it's uh, it's basically a comparison between what it means to to be a son or grabbing your identity as son or a child of God versus behaving like an orphan. And I, I you know, I look at my own life and and how you know many times I react as an orphan. You know, I. I, I panic as somebody that doesn't have, you know, uh, our heavenly father as our father. So anyway, I think um, doing that has, has brought me life uh, in the last month. Um, so I'm enjoying it. So That's awesome. Good. That's wonderful. Uh, and then uh, question number five, our final one. What is your favorite thing about Houston? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. I mean, I... Yeah, what's my favorite thing about Houston? Uh, and then asking that after, you know, during COVID, which I feel like um, I don't, you know, one thing that I that I have really enjoyed that we have really experienced here in Houston is meeting our neighbors. And I know this might sound weird because everybody complains that it's so hard to meet your neighbors. But I feel we have moved a lot. Uh, I think too much, actually. Uh, we have moved five times in five years, mm. and yet, you know, every we have relationships from every. I know, I know, I'm promoting something against, you yeah. know, <laughs> porch teaching. It, 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 we, we, uh, it was not out of our own um, will, and we were learning in the process. We're, we're trying to sell, by the way. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Stay in a neighbor. We have actually stayed in the area, so we have not lost those relationships. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we look backwards and we have friends, you know, and we keep we stay in touch with them, you know, even through this. Through we we just had a winter storm, and then we, you know, and you know, we're always somehow going back and reconnecting all the time. So that's awesome. We enjoyed that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I won't give you a hard time for not mentioning the food. The food is pretty amazing in Houston. I, I think it is in, in, but you need to get closer to the city. That's true. You know, Katie even, is just, man. yeah. It's, well, even trying to find like a good pub or something is just so hard in Katie. So, yeah. and it's the sprawl. That's the thing about Texas. We just, you know, it's like we build city on top of city on top of city and it just kind of spreads and edges. Like, it, you know, when I was, when I lived in Houston as a kid, you could get from one side of town in 30 minutes. Now it's like two hours. It takes forever to get from one side all the way to the other. So, 
Uh, well, Jaime, thanks for, for joining us today. Uh, hey, if you are listening, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you would take time to uh, share this with your friends or anyone that might be, uh, that might benefit from the conversations that we uh, have and talk, uh, the conversations we have here on our podcast. Uh, if you're on iTunes, make sure you rate us and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to know more about Forge, check out ForgeAmerica.com or you can contact uh, Alan uh, or myself at Terry, uh, T-E-R-R-Y, always with a Y, never with an I, <laughs> uh, at Forge America and Alan at ForgeAmerica.com. It's A-L-A-N, never two L's and an E. That's so, right. Never. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.